Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. All right, glad to hear it. Hey, everybody out there, we're glad you are here listening with us. Get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. No spaces to save 10% off your order. Uh, if you're up for helping folks in East Kentucky who are still trying to recover from a flood, um, then I'm going to point you to Apple Shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. Um, good folks could use your help, and so they are out there. Um, Apple Shop, make sure stuff gets to where it needs to go. <clears throat> and our other shout-out goes over to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, by this time, because uh, we're going to be releasing this, uh, or we're re- recording it for the week of the 4th of July, by this time, AEW Fight Forever, the video game, will have been released Mm-hmm. So uh, there's going to be some – I don't know how many uh, creative wrestlers you can create, but I'm sure there's going to be some. Uh, Orlando Cologne, one of the first wrestling creations I'm going to create. <laughs> you could apparently win all the belts, every single belt in uh, in the game. <laughs> you could apparently like, have one person win them, so maybe I'll have him win every belt, even the women's belt. What was it? Was it the 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 picture? Was it Riho or Maki Ito that did it? Done it. It was the it was Yuki Sakazuki. Oh, okay. All right, my bad. Yeah, you poor you broke poor Justin's heart um, <laughs> with the news that she's married. To, is she married to Yakashita uh, Takashita? Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but a lot of people have been posting like anecdotal stuff where it's like pictures of the two of them together, not like outside of the wrestling, but like together in wrestling and it's like mm, there might be smoke to that fire yeah maybe so all right so um we've been doing some some old matches here but the thing that we were really thinking about was that uh you know we have been doing this podcast for more than five years and brad had a, an interesting thought we should look back at what was that brad um what are but some of the favorite discoveries we've had on this show that can be workers, promotions, angles, matches, just anything in regards to the show that we wouldn't have necessarily seen otherwise. Okay. Um, I, I have an answer for, for some of this. Um, the first one I'm going to go to was actually worker because we, I would have uh, stumbled across him 
anyway, but given where his career went, but I did not know anything about him beforehand. So um, we started doing NWA power stuff, and that was in Tagging with Homicide. That was my first exposure to Eddie Kingston, and then um, Brad was really championing me seeing some more Eddie Kingston stuff, like that match with Quackenbush and that sort of I got into Kingston big. Then he shows up in AEW, and I was really fired up for it. So I was really happy to know about because his like you know Chikara and Ring of Honor stuff that that happened in that lull period when I wasn't I wasn't very much into uh, following wrestling that much, and um, I was really glad to to get to know about Eddie. And then whenever he shows up, I got to be really excited for it. Hey, that's a good that's a good answer. Uh, I I was more familiar with Eddie uh, probably than you, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I as was as familiar as like Brad was even. But I'm, I mean, me and Brad both watched Jakarta back in the day. I mean, so my I, big I, my big comeback and like I was getting all the DVDs when he was the Grand Champion, so I was I was uber familiar with him by the start of the show yeah that's a good answer i was familiar with him but obviously since he's been in aew i actually talked like to him at an indie show for like quite a while once mm, that's cool he seems like he'd be a fun guy to talk to yeah he's a nice uh, guy wow i got his autograph somewhere but kingston's a good one only because like obviously people have had more exposure uh but there's been like kind of like a, an agenda it pops up every now and again but after uh Forbidden Door recently, like there's been <laughs> more talk of this where it's like people are like, no, you should give Eddie Kingston a run with the belt. Bully Ray uh, was yeah. like, Bully Ray was like, hey, like this guy is, uh, I care about this guy more than anyone else. Like, give me more Eddie Kingston. Yeah, and I, it's, it's Bully Ray. <laughs> I can't believe in 2023 I'm be like, yeah, Bully Ray has a great point, but <laughs> he, he what does. was the meme you sent? The worst person you know yeah. is right. <laughs> Yeah, it's an old, uh, it's like an old onion thing, but it's kind of like a meme where it's like the 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 headline of the article. It's like, like uh, tragedy, like the worst person in the world yeah. just had a great point. <laughs> the yeah. worst person you know just had a great point. Like it's it's, he has a great point. It's true. It's like dude, no one. I feel very few people in AEW and just in wrestling in general elicits the type of emotion that Eddie Kingston does. I think. Uh, like I, during Forbidden Door, I was talking to people. Uh, even like you guys are guys in our like Discord chat. It's like you, you, if you're not a wrestling fan, you really you won't get it. It's foreign concept to you. But if you are a wrestling fan, it's like Kingston getting in the ring and squaring off with his friend or former friend John Moxley. Mm-hmm. It's kind of still his friend because there was a spot in that match where uh, the Bucks go to super kick Moxley and Kingston basically throws himself in uh, in space to actually like prevent Moxley from taking that. Like he takes it accidentally. Yeah. Not accidentally. Like he jumps in front of it to kind of spear Moxley. But like he's not trying for Moxley to win the match. It's just like it's my friend. Like I don't want him to take this awful move. Yeah. I, when they were squaring up Kingston uh, and Moxley. It was like it – the crowd went like electric, and you felt – I'm like, this 
is one of those moments that if you're not a wrestling fan, you won't get it. But if you are a wrestling fan, it's like this. There's so much emotion yeah. in this moment, like two friends squaring off against each other. And Eddie Kingston's facial he he's such a professional and not just professional, such a good worker where it's like he's, he's his face is almost like stone face where he's like not showing emotion, but he's also kind of showing like not not a disgust, but more like he's conflicted and upset that he's in this moment because he has to he knows he has to like win. he's he's he wants to win. Like he's out there like a fighter. He's a fighter. He's a, he's a warrior, but he's facing up his good friend. And he doesn't understand how it came to this point. And Moxley is just like, you know, Moxley's a heel now. And it's just like, yeah, I'll fight anyone. And that's been like his persona the last year or so. But it's just, it's an awesome moment where it's like, sh- it's one of those moments where rare moments in wrestling. It's like, oh my God, shit's going to go down right now, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just in general, like, <laughs> someone did a meme uh, recently where they, they post the picture of them two squaring off. And the caption was just like, I am a child of divorce. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these two guys, like, obviously, like, their friendship is ending because they're just facing off against each other. But um, the thing that I I also just love about, uh, in general, by Kingston is that, and we talked about this before in the podcast, like, you could literally have him, you could have him job every single night, and he would still get over because he can go in there and he can talk you back. Yeah. Uh, they obviously, they, they don't do that. They, they, keep him somewhat strong even when he loses uh, they try to keep him strong but he he gives such like amazing promos and maybe it's coming from mm-hmm. a real place because he has had he struggled with depression with substance abuse things like that he gave i think it was like the feud with chris uh, jericho mm-hmm. uh, where or something it's one of the most recent ones i forget exactly i think it was like the feud he he was having with chris jericho where he's like he pleads with Tony Khan. It's like, you could stop this. Yes, that's exactly and, right. And he was saying, like, he's talking about how, like, I drink to stop my demons or escape my demons. And he just goes, like, he stops and he just looks at the camera and he's like, dead ass cold line. He goes, but they know how to swim. And it's like, that is like, <laughs> yeah. I goes, don't care. Yes. I don't care. You watch that and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I, if you were not yes. invested, and yes. by the end of that promo, you're like, whatever the fuck this is happening between like him and his opponent, I need to watch it. Yes. Or or the one with Miro where he's like, let's walk through hell together. Yeah, yeah. take my hand and walk. Matt, you brought up that one promo. It got reposted like someone reposted it two or three nights ago. And I'm watching it. And I just I, I moved over next to my wife and I'm like, watch this with me. See what happens. And Eddie is doing that promo just like you, he is screaming and pleading he goes you are making this happen it doesn't have to be this way i don't want to have to hurt you but as we and he's still screaming he goes i drink to drown my demons and then like you said cold face just turns on a dime he goes from the screaming pleading to to like you just exactly what you just said but they know how to swim and i'll see you soon and i think that was the lead up to when he was that match the that um, anarchy in the arena where he showed up with the gas can, wasn't it? Or was it the singles match? It doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. Like Eddie Kingston does promos in a way that I honestly cannot think of anybody else who does promos the way he does. Dusty. I, 
Honestly, Dusty's the closest analog to uh, Eddie Kingston. It's, it's, it's just a rare, incredibly rare talent that you could have someone go out there, cut a promo, and it's like, look, it's it's fake. <laughs> Do a Kevin Nash person. It's fucking fake, guys. <laughs> Come on. Wait. But no, it's fake. You know it's fake. You suspend disbelief. Uh, for for the sake of the wrestling, for the 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 enjoyment of it, you you suspend disbelief. But Eddie Kingston, in a thing that you know is fake, can go out there and make you care. He can elicit mm. emotion out of you. You can watch an Eddie Kingston promo and afterwards be like, so in, like I want to see this match. I want to see what the hell he does. I want to yeah. see like him brutalize this guy. And it's like you know it's fake. It's fake. You know it's not real. But he. If the goal is to make you suspend disbelief, he does it. Yeah. You were like all of a sudden like, oh, I'm all in on this now. Like you can believe it. And that's an incredibly rare talent. Go, so and that's, yeah, that's kind of why I agree. I, I really agree <laughs> with Bully Ray. You should you should put the title on this guy, at least for yeah. a, a, a brief run. Give yes. us that. Yeah. Go, Give him the nod. Go watch like the hard times promo by Dusty. And that's like the same spirit that like Eddie conjures when he talks. See, Matt, you, you, you say, uh, I, I, I myself, I, I don't like the word fake, but it is a performance. We know mm-hmm. it is, but I have developed this way of looking at, I consider wrestling to be the closest kinship that exists to doing Shakespeare in the round. And I'm stealing some of this from Xavier Woods, Austin Creed, whichever name you want to use. He calls it that, but you got to consider you're out there doing this live. You have people on all sides. If you screw up, there is nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. There's no retakes. You are doing all of this stuff to do this performance for all of these people that you want to have buy into it. And you're getting punched in the face while you do it. And Eddie Kingston is like that generational stage performer who goes out there and does. And you know, you're looking right at it. Just because you go to see a play, just because there's not ropes on the front of the ring doesn't make the stage all that different. It's just, you know, the combat is 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 uh, is different, really. Eddie is one of the, like you said, one of those people that reels you in, that reaches out and reaches into your chest and puts his hand on your heart and pulls you in. And you are there with Eddie Kingston. And God, I'm just, I am so glad to see Eddie Kingston on a national stage doing well. Um, And I want more. I want that. I want that pat on the back. I want it. So I think um I think there's a counter point to him in a, in the opposite direction but in a positive way that you've discovered via the show and instead of pulling on your heartstrings he like makes you want to punch him in the face and that would be Buddy Landell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I did not know much about Buddy Landell but he's so g- Buddy Landell was so good at being a little shit. Not to put too fine a point on it. But he was so good at being such a little shit that he could you, – you wanted to see him just – you didn't want to see him lose. You wanted to see someone beat his ass, 
and he he was able to do a lot of that without honestly without a lot of profanity without a lot of that sort of stuff in a way that's it's not the same realism Eddie brings but it's the same way it's like you know that one guy that one guy just irritates the living hell out of you and you just God, you never could do it at work because you didn't want to get fired, but you just wanted to see somebody pimp slap him so hard. And then you get that with Buddy Landell right there, and somebody does pimp slap him so hard. Well, I think I think what what adds to Buddy Landell is like you can tell he likes being just a dick. <laughs> like it's not like he's just a jerk and that's what he is. It's like no, he is an annoying twat. And he yeah. likes it. He likes it. Like he does things intentionally to upset you because that's how he gets his jollies. Yeah. Yeah. The it, not not quite like on the same level as Eddie, but you're right. Yeah, I was. I didn't have a lot of Landell experience. So who else has one? Um, I'm trying to think. Eddie King is a good one. I will say, like, trying to think. I don't know that I would never have done this, but obviously the show, like, you know, gets us watching more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, like, the one example. I would just say as as one exa- as as an example, uh, Sergeant Slaughter was so much better than I gave him credit for. Ooh, that's a <laughs> and, good call. And, and I'm not saying like, oh, I, I thought he was bad. Uh, although when I was very, very young and I was watching, I just started watching wrestling and it was past the point that they actually had done this stuff. Because mm-hmm. uh, I started watching in like 92, but 91 was obviously his big run when he won the title. And he obviously much, much older. He had a big run in like the early 80s there and elsewhere. <clears throat> so like the NWA. Um, but I did think that I, uh, looking at it, it's like, he was a much better worker than people necessarily give him credit for. Maybe they just think or remember like the 91 Iraqi sympathizer gimmick. Yeah. When he was uh, in Bosch. Yeah. But much. he was, he was an incredibly good worker. Great, great bumper. Had some size to him. So he was believable. He and, took and, the and, crazy ass cage dive. Yeah. And just was overall like was good. Like I, there's literally only like four people maybe that I've seen pull a good match out of like Ultimate Warrior, and he's yeah. one of them. Yeah. I, I want to say just to go along with what you say, I think my favorite thing we've done is the the road to kind of the to final conflict, which involves him. Mm-hmm. And just that... the masterpiece of like storytelling that was. Mm-hmm. Well, to that credit, I will now since you mentioned it, it's like I actually probably would say like one of the things that we've discovered or I've discovered from the show is that whole like final conflict, like the build up and that whole storyline. Like I would not have necessarily watched that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that was like encapsulated into basically like a YouTube video. Yeah. I would so I would have not like known about that. I would have I would have heard that people have always I've always like heard about the steamboat. Youngblood, Crenoodle, Slaughter match. Like that was like a classic match, but I didn't get it because it's like, oh, it must be a good match. There's nowadays there's like a ton of great matches, but mm-hmm. I didn't get it until I watched the whole Final Conflict video, and it's like, oh, this is maybe one of the best, most concisely done, well booked storylines that I've 
possibly ever seen. It was so well put together. And the twist, like you didn't see the twist coming and it just like it. It just like brings all of these elements together, like and little elements, like the fact that Jim Nelson didn't get to update his gear and he's still like wrestling in fatigues and like a wife beater. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he's teaming up with these schlubs like um, who eventually becomes Black Bart, but like guys like that, you know, obvious jobbers. And it still has one of my favorite promo lines ever is after they injure Jay Youngblood and Sergeant Slaughter's like every time I drive by a cemetery, I think about Jay Youngblood. <laughs> <laughs> and and when they um. When they when Greg Valentine brought the drawing out by the kid, and Slaughter <laughs> he was, he was, was putting a good his, heel. Yeah. And, oh, and, and his swank ass like custom camo suit, like mm. you know suit mm. jacket and all that. Like there was just so much great stuff. Or like even the little stuff that I don't know who thought to do that, but like how. When they finally put Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat in suits, they gave them off-the-rack suits, mm-hmm. not custom but, yeah, fit. Yeah, the little details like that are, like, so well done, and you have to, like, you, you don't necessarily, like, appreciate it until you, like, watch it, and you're like, wait. And it's like, you get it. You get it. It's such a well-done angle. And, like, all of Jim Nelson's, like, grievances that, like, are... Not necessarily, like, huge things on their own. Like, it's not, like, some big overarching thing, but I think Shad brought that one up, how, you know, they would go in for a nice steak dinner, and they would tell him to go to the gas station and, like, get his microwave burrito or whatever. Yeah, they there were lots of tiny little snubs that happened to build to that. And then the other thing that um, that I loved in that was everybody took it very seriously. Like there was no, like the baby faces weren't fired up when they're like, Oh, you know, if yeah, you can have this match, but if you lose, then, um, you know, uh, then you guys can't team anymore ever at all. And they, they don't, they're not doing the baby face. Like, yeah, let's do it. They sit and they're like, can we talk for a minute? And it pans away and they're having this conversation and then it comes back, and they, they're they not like, we're going to kill it. They're like, yes, we have decided that we accept this stipulation, and we're going to do this. And, like, everything in it logically progresses. It makes sense, and it builds. And, or, man. Um, even, like, when, when they had to pay the fine, and they're like, well, we'll have to come up. We'll have to think about how we're going to get the money. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they go and they talk to Slaughter, but I was like, oh, yeah, here, I have the check right here for you guys. Mm-hmm. It's like, sorry, I had to fold it in my pocket, but here you go. And here's a couple bucks for yourself, George yeah. Scott. Yeah. Creating this this wonderful um, binary dynamic. Yeah. That's, but, yeah, that's a great pick. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of other things, cause I, I mean the, the um, the elephant in the room is obviously Hanson and Andre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's that I, I maintain. That's a five star classic. Yes. And for yes. those who, again, we don't really like rate 
uh, matches that, that often here, and we're, we don't do it like hard and fast. Like uh, our word is go, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's. I personally would say like stack that up with anything, and obviously like Forbidden War just happened. There is uh, the second of the Kenny Omega Osprey matches. I assume there probably will be at least a third. And people are always uh, talk about Omega, um, Okada. Uh, back in the day, Steamboat, Flair, like whatever classic matches you want to put out there or rank, yeah. uh, old school, modern, whatever, I, I would feel like Stan Hansen and Andre like ranks up there. It's a five-star match. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the same as like Osprey Omega. They're not going to be they're not, uh, the two of <laughs> those. Osprey, <laughs> uh, sorry, Andre, <laughs> Andre and Hansen were not doing like you know, moonsault and, and things like that. But it's such an absolutely fascinating and compelling match. Where it's a it spectacle. Literally, yes. It is a spectacle. And I mentioned this, like, with, with Hanson and Brody. I use this kind of analogy of forces of nature, but this is the closest thing to, like, the two forces of nature. It's just two fucking bulls. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, just colliding with each other and brutalizing each other and it's just like amazing it's like it, you, you, if you ever see like a nature video where it's like two big bull mooses or two bulls or what have you and they're just like crashing into each other fighting mm-hmm. uh, for dominance and it's like you can unless you if it has like a video that has like audio you hear like the just the, the violence of the two crashing into each other it's like that's basically what this was and it's a it's it a basically cr- two animals colliding with each other and, and but there's also and, psychology in there from andre of all places it's, and, it's and amazing a, and a crowd is losing its shit the whole time like chanting hansen yes. the whole almost the whole yes. match the fact that hansen runs over andre and then so andre changes his game plan for it it's beautiful and, like, and the fact that andre works the lariat arm yes There is so much about that match that is just so perfectly done. It is – you guys call it a spectacle, but you could also almost call it a clinic because they do so much stuff right. It's just staggering. It is. It's like it's it's – it, like it, I think the first time I ever watched that, I think it literally melted my brain. Yeah. I. We sat down to watch this and it's like Stan Hansen versus Andre. Oh, I like Andre. I like Stan Hansen. Let's say, and then I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, oh my god. And, you know, and it's it's what twenty minutes, I think. Yeah, something like that. It's 20 minutes, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, and I got done, and I'm just looking at it, and my wife's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I am great. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think along those lines, some of the other favorite matches I think we've watched on this is um, the, the Jack Briscoe-Roddy Piper match, just with the whole angle surrounding that. I like that. Um, this- I don't – for me, it's not the angle around it. For me, it is it is the fact that they had a match where like 80% of it was Briscoe having Piper in a headlock. And it worked, and it made sense, and it was good. 
that that's for me that's the thing that stands out was yeah. the the sheer amount of skill that went into doing that yeah and then um the microtunda sting tv title match which mm. is just excellent and then mm. the 92 war games which is just a a masterpiece of carnage yeah we <laughs> we did re- that was obviously a more recent one but uh, i think brad has shared the, the view and i agree with it it's like that's it's possibly a perfect match and it's perfect it's like i would again we don't like right down to like right down to who who came in where zabisco being the one that screwed up because he was on the outs Mm -hmm. like who beat who like it was just it it was it was the perfect match from start to finish it it, it was it's pretty much a perfect match it was perfectly paced it was perfectly booked It, it just even it even deserves, the outside interference and the way they executed that was perfect. Yeah, it may it may ultimately be the best like NWA slash WCW match of all time. I would mm-hmm. I would say I would say yes. Um, uh, it's certainly I would feel like in the top five, ten if not top five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, broader spectrum, I really loved when we did the Mega Powers explode as like a contextual watch. Yeah, because we pulled back not just like the mega powers explode. We pulled back for like them forming. Yeah, it was what like that was like two years worth of. No, it was almost. Um, I think we watched from like eighties. The we watched from like the like him losing the IC title in eighty seven to um, him losing the title to Hogan in eighty nine. Okay, yeah, I mean, we pulled way far back for it, and it was, man, it was really, to to have the whole thing not encapsulated, but to have all the cards laid out on the table and look at it makes it, you know, really appreciate this as an angle, as a whole thing, you know. Vince probably backstage screaming about who stole all the creamer when he was doing his cream of the crop. <laughs> he just keeps coming up with more of He had like six of them in that promo, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, an, an appreciation of Mean Gene and like a lot of that old stuff. Mm-hmm. Because Gene was very good at bringing you along. If you got lost somewhere, he'd get you back on track. If he needed to keep it moving, he was very good at keeping you moving. He's he, very, very good interviewer. And he, his rapport with people is where he really excelled too. Is like he knew how to interact with you to make your character come out. Mm. Yeah. And his Absolutely. outtakes are hilarious. What was it? Was it what Mania Six, where the sun kept falling down? Yeah, it was SummerSlam '89. Okay. There's the one where Sheik has that turkey, like pulls the turkey out of the cage, and the cage like almost falls over, and Gene's just like losing his mind. <laughs> Seeing Mean Gene crack is a is a treat. All of it. So. There, there's a great one. Um, well, the the Kamala ones are all funny. The one I was thinking of. Gondon Giant. Kamala. Kamala, yes. Yeah. The the one I was thinking of was when I think it was him and Alfred Hayes, and they're standing there. They've got ball caps on, and one of them's 
got a sports, cl- you know, some kind of sport apparatus. And the other one's got a plunger on his shoulder. And you just look at, you play cricket with it with a bat, right? And they both just come unglued. And and Mean Gene is just losing. He he has just, I don't know what tickled him, but he just came apart at the seams. And Alfred Hayes is is laughing too because he's like, I don't know what's happening, but this is funny. There's there's a great one you can find on YouTube. It's with Greg Valentine. This is an older one, and and Valentine like cracks up. He's like, no no come on, like Tito Santana isn't someone to laugh about. He's like, oh I see your wife here, like come out here. He's like, does he sit around like? the dinner table ranting about like Tito Santana, like pass the fucking potatoes. And then everyone just starts laughing. And his wife's like, he sure the hell does. And Greg's just like losing it. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> oh, I love mean gene outtakes. Yeah. And the one, Oh, my other favorite is, um, it's Masa Sato and, Jesse Ventura and like this is AWA and Sato tries to break like a board with his head and it just totally clunks against the board and everyone just starts cracking up. Yeah. And they just walk away like nothing happened. It's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. All right. Matt, do you have a uh, you have another one to throw out there? Uh, Andre Hansen is like a big one. Uh, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter is a big one. Uh, this is not like a one that's like, oh, I discovered this, but it's like I really have enjoyed the thing we did lately where we went and did like the whole Dangerous Alliance. Yeah. That did, that did coincide uh, with when I started watching wrestling. But I was, uh, I was kind of just – just getting into as Daniel Sly's angle was like finishing. Um, I will say like that watching the whole thing, I did appreciate more how Lex Luger was actually like a good worker back in the day, yeah. and how I feel like people really dropped the ball with Ron Simmons. Like oh, I feel totally like he could have been like Simmons. a major major star, and I know he got the world title, but he never really got pushed like he should have, even as a champion. He mm-hmm. almost got like back in the day. It's like. It was WCW back in the day, but it's like he almost got like the WWE like uh Rey Mysterio Kofi Kingston push where it's like, yeah, you know, you're popular, yeah. so we'll put the title on you, but we won't actually do anything with you. Um but those I, were like really eye opening because I never thought like Lex Luger were that great. I, but then I watched uh, this old this old content and it's like, oh actually no, he was good. He was like really good. He was brushing I would legitimately argue because he gets hurt after this and it's not quite the same and WWE really he didn't mm-hmm. work there, but I would say Luger and this like the arrow we watched and like from his heel turn in eighty nine, like is a guy brushing greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like not just good, like he is a guy he is a guy that is touching like greatness. Yeah, it, it was – and it was kind of understated because Luger came into all of these matches kind of apprehensive and reserved. But it's because he was selling that he was – he was not looking forward to facing who he would be facing. Like he's like, I know this is going to be rough. And there's like a lot of people, I think, shit talk him because he knew his value and you know people hate that. But – there's a lot of little stuff Luger does where you really see that he he worked at his craft really hard. 
Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just like a guy trying to cash in. Like there's a lot of little stuff he did. And she's like, oh, no, this is a guy that, you know, really put a lot of thought into the details. If he just wanted to cash in, then I don't believe he would have jumped to Nitro. He he just would have gotten another. If he had if he had re-signed with Vince, he just could have had more easy, not difficult matches for a while. But no, he he went back to WCW on Nitro and he was doing Lex didn't have the biggest repertoire in the ring. But he didn't really need it. Mm-mm. You know, uh, that 97, 98 run that he was doing being the face of, of WCW against the NWO, he was over like crazy. He didn't need much more than he did. You know, the torture act was over. You know, he was he was big enough and strong enough you could believe he would knock people down. And he could sell. With the exception of being in a figure four leg lock when it looked like he was trying not to take a nap. But I think, um, <laughs> though, I mean, there's stuff where we've seen him bust out a lot. Like that match he had with Tatanka, he busted out like mm. a decent array of moves when he was trying to put that away. And I think even like during the Simmons match, he did quite a decent amount of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and the Rick Steiner match. The Rick Steiner match is really good. Mm hmm. Absolutely. The other thing I found funny is like his, uh, and this is like a career thing, but his selling, <laughs> uh, the sounds. It's like you punch like, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this really weird cry. He, he would have the, yeah, he throws a punch, go, oh, 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 and he, if you look back on it, Luger's one of the guys that would hit you with basically his wrist on the side of your neck. Mm. But and he didn't he didn't have a wide stance. He had his feet like squared underneath him and he would kind of hop when he did it. But he wasn't one for trading punches a lot. So, no. And, you know, I think it's interesting that the narrative is starting to shift on him. And because like it's on YouTube and I think that's really where it started. But when Brian Alvarez and Vinny just go off about how. He got screwed by the booking every time, and it was never his fault that he always came to the table with yeah. the goods, and they always screwed it up. Yeah, it's true. And just and, how and like he's actually good. I think you're right, because it's it took somebody who has had enough of a following to put the thought out there um, that – Hey, this should be reassessed. And and once that ball got rolling, I think I think you're right. Having Brian and Vinny go, now wait a minute, let's look back at this. It gets the ball rolling. It's just I didn't expect it to keep rolling like it did. I mean, I think when you look back, like I like Sting better and I think Sting's a better performer, but I think I think Luger's big moments landed a little better than Sting's big moments in like the nineties. In the like all through the 90s or through most of the 90s, I think Luger's big moments landed a little stuck the landing a little better than the Sting ones. Like, I think Sting was a better performer throughout the 90s, but I also think like I and I think that's not necessarily either man's fault. Like, I think I think it's just Luger's stuff kind of. 
Well, and it didn't help that Starcade 97, Sting was yeah undercut by Hogan. Mm-hmm. Should have been the easiest gimme in the world. I still would have but, gone back and just had Sting beat him in like 30 seconds. Just, I, I don't know that I would have done 30 seconds, but just have Sting beat on Hogan for a while. Just everything. Everything Hogan tries to do. Hogan's been so big in posturing. Here's Sting in front of him, and everything Hogan tries to do, Sting's just beating on him. And the story would end, you know, Hogan's trying everything, it's not working, and he starts trying to run away, and Sting won't let him. Is how I would have done it. Yeah. The problem is, Hogan also gonna Hogan. Um, and I wouldn't have, I would not have rolled the Bret Hart story into it either, because that just... It, I know they were coming off the Montreal screw job and Brett jumping companies, but I mean, you didn't need to. We didn't you need have it. Done we, Brett's thing though. I mean, we didn't need the rehash of Brett doing the the restart the match thing. No. We didn't need any of that. Um, you could have had him fight off the NWO. Yeah, if you had the NWO come to storm the ring and. I mean, we've had it before. Sting just wails on all of them. You just have – I guess the biggest problem is if you have superhero Sting do that, then who do you put up against him in the future? Like how do you do that? But there's an easier way. NWO starts to come out, and then here comes the locker room just mowing them over, being like, no, we are sick of this shit. Yeah. And here they come, and here's Giant like throwing people, and Luger's knocking somebody down, and Paige is hitting people. You know. You don't even need the whole locker room. You just need the people who've been fighting the fight to come out there and and stop the interference. But I think what you do is you do you stick with like the Flair Brett thing out of the gate because they did a good buy rate on that, and then you come after that you you have Brett challenge thing for um Slambury. No wait, wait, Super Brawl. Super Brawl, yeah. Yeah. That's probably what I would have done, and then kind of just like go away from the NWO stuff. Yeah, that needed to happen way sooner. Way, way sooner. But that, that I, I will say that the, the Hogan Sting matches as bad as they were still has one of my favorite spots ever where Sting like collapses and then he headbutts Hogan right in the balls and he starts <laughs> curly shuffling in the ring. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, it's a good moment. But, but I mean, that, to... that's what drives me nuts about heel Hogan is Hogan would do that stuff, but he loved like showing ass in the ring. Hogan would sell really. Hogan would sell. He sold for an old lady on like Nitro or Thunder. Yeah, it was on Nitro. I remember it. I remember it very clearly. Yeah, he. He was, I mean, like, like I said, he showed a lot of asses, like a, a heel. Mm-hmm. It, it was just. They should have. That Starcade finish. They know. should have done it right after Uncensored, though, because they would have made so much money if they just went to Hogan Sting after Sting, like, descended from the ceiling and destroyed everything in, like, a five-mile radius with an NWA shirt on. Really, that whole Starcade was done wrong because that show was kind of building to be like the entire like 
pushback on the NWO thing. And out of the whole show, I think only two baby faces won. Is it Biscoe and Sting? Was... No, Paige and Sting. Is it Biscoe won, didn't he? I don't think so. No, Dusty turned on Zabisco. Oh. Well, no, but, like, um, Dylan Hales was at the Uncensored where Sting, like, did that, and they had the first confrontation with Hogan, and he said that was the craziest thing he's ever seen in the whole building was just going absolutely, like, off the rails insane. Mm-hmm. You can hear it in the crowd. Like, and he said, like, he was there with someone that wasn't even a wrestling fan that was running, like, through the crowd, like, high-fiving people after <laughs> Sting, like, just wiped the floor with everyone. Mm-hmm. Man, that is one hell of a memory. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff we've done. Uh, the Eddie Gilbert thing was fun. Yeah. I think the yeah. bits of Memphis we've done in general has been like a real revelation and like I think Memphis might be the best promotion ever like from the bits we've seen. Hmm. Cuz you know, we have the, this. we have the Tupelo concession stand brawls. We have the um the Eddie Gilbert and Jerry Lawler parking lot brawl that we watched. Um, Bobby Eaton and Bill Dundee. And, yeah. Um, the Kamala video. There's something else we watched, I think. But just the way Memphis like told stories, like there's just so many like layers to everything. I think that for me, the um, the biggest Memphis takeaway was uh, the concession stand brawls because they were really – they were not ahead of their time, but they were a bellwether that, that gave rise to this entire section of the industry that's around now that, you know, that gave rise to ECW stuff and then, you know – Hardcore divisions in WCW and WWF. And, I mean, we, and just... we literally saw the we literally saw Onita having the brainchild for FMW while he was getting like condiments poured all over him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like the, the fact that these wild brawls that. I, I'm not I'm not going to say just happen. I they there is no way that it was just like we're going to we're doing this. And then we're going to spill out of the ring and go fight all the way over. No, they, they, they were like, look, after the match, we're going to do this and let's let's get like all the way over here and do stuff like I'm thinking they they had to know. I, I'm thinking they knew where they were going. Yeah, but I think Lance Russell was an announcer. Has been like a real joy whenever we encounter him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, okay, here's one. I'm going to go way back for this one. Something I would not have encountered if it wasn't for the show is Matt's Terry Funk impression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you I just had a, so much fun with that. Go for it, Matt. I have one. Um, it's such a sad, like, it is, I don't know if I would say this is like a discovery, but again, this show, like you, you watch a lot of stuff that 
It's not that you would necessarily not watch, but it's like you would necessarily be like all about this. You wouldn't watch it watch with it. as critical of an eye on a lot of this stuff, I think. But you also wouldn't necessarily like revisit stuff. And I'm not even talking about wrestling. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. But it's like, it's been... I was a child the last time I watched uh, Transformers the movie. Oh, and so yeah. we watched that. We watched that, you know, like uh, probably like a year or so ago for the show. Mm-hmm. And I still think about that since we re like we watched that. I like, rewatched it as an adult, and I still think about that because it's a movie that that really like fascinates me because it's not necessarily like a good movie, but it's a movie like if you actually the more I think about it, it's like this is. This is a this is a spectacle for like a, a movie that's supposed to just be for kids and it's not necessarily like the most well paced uh, movie or I question I question mm-hmm. how that got made and marketed to kids because like just <laughs> um just even in like the first five minutes like they're playing like like. And I'm not joking when I say they're playing heavy metal music as Megatron is just murdering Autobots on a space it, shuttle. It, it's a shockingly violent movie. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, as I said, I said it back in the day, it's like it has one of the coldest lines in mm-hmm. anything animated, not where Megatron just, after murdering a bunch of people, a bunch of Autobots, just blows away Ironhide. It's like such, but such a like nonsense. It's like that's so cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Galvatron, he like obviously kills uh, Starscream. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's violent, it, but it seems like it's a spectacle in the sense that very few movies. And I'm talking like modern movies even too. It's like very few movies. You watch it, and you get, in my opinion, the impression or the feeling. It's like. This shit changed things. Like this, mm-hmm. this completely like upset or reestablished the status quo. Ruined the GI Joe movie. Yeah, <laughs> but this is, this is one of them. This is like it's it's obviously like it's not the best movie even, but it's like you watch it and like afterwards like this this changed the status quo. And this is a film that you watch and it's like I'm not just like having nostalgia for this. It's like this seems like a big deal as a movie. I think if like, you it watch seems like. It. I think in the context of modern movies, too, it's not apologetic about what it is. Mm-hmm. And I would actually argue, I don't think it's like a great movie or anything, but I would say it's not a bad movie. And I would say it leans more into a good movie, but it's a bad kids movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's between the Transformers movie and I'm going to say like the land before time, the collective trauma <laughs> That that generation of kids seem to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not you're not kidding that it changed things. Well, I, like remember we talked about Bambi's mom died, and my reply was I I had already lived through Optimus Prime died. Like I was a hard veteran by the time I saw <laughs> yeah. Bambi. I and I, to go along with that, um, I mean I've seen it a million times, but just like getting to yap about The Shining for a couple hours was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one too, because like yeah. The Shining, I, again, I watched that when I was much younger, but watching it as an adult, like it's, I got way more out of it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's really one of those things that, it's not 
I remember just being like really supernatural, and maybe I was just conflating it with the the novel which I read, and the novel is like very explicitly supernatural, uh, diving at times even into like like eldritch horror, almost cosmic horror, uh, but the movie is not explicitly supernatural. It's like there's supernatural elements, but it's you really can. It's left up to the viewer kind of until like the very end when you see things. Are, are a little bit more like I'll say unabashedly but more less ambiguously supernatural but for like 90% of the movie you can watch it and be like this is just a guy an alcoholic going crazy yeah and it's just like his perception of things and like his family like having to deal with him like going violently insane he's much more sympathetic in the book that's the one place where I really wish they had captured more of the book yeah because the book has this thing, uh, so well, just to go into it a bit. But so he's much more sympathetic, and you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And they they talk earlier about how when he was an alcoholic, when he was hungover, he'd chew Excedrin. Mm-hmm. And they're like in town before the s- snow comes, I think. And he's on the phone with someone, and he starts chewing like Excedrin. And you're like, oh, come on. And you just know it's like over for him. Mm-hmm. Because like it's... he, yeah. That that part of the book always sticks out. Well, no, the 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 scariest part of the book, and this is truly terrifying. I can't do it justice. But so the in the book, the the hedge animals try to attack um, Danny a couple times. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where it's like the winter, and he's like he dives like in the snow, and he's like under the snow, and he realizes like realizes one of the hedge animals is under there, and it's very like claustrophobic and like it's really terrifying and like written for him. Mm-hmm. Matt probably remembers that part, but I don't. Uh, I to, do. It's hard to put into like words mm. without like reading the actual part. And then um, like there's some like just the the history of the house and stuff in the book. They're two different things though. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I'm gonna throw something else here real quick because we have done like some collective project stuff that's been really good um you know doing our our tournaments the best hoss best tag team building theoretical wrestler but i think the thing i've had the most fun with was when we did the let's let's build our own justice league let's build our own avengers oh yeah yeah we had a lot of fun with that, and I go back and listen to it, and there's something on my end in the recording. There's some sound there that kind of ruined part of the Justice League when I don't know what it was. Did Dame which sit in for? Just pisses is, me off. Was, did Dame do Marvel with us? He did the Avengers one, yeah. Because okay, because okay, okay. yeah. I, I I teased like I was I acted like I was gonna tease for Captain America ahead of him, but I also knew well enough not to tease too hard on that front. Well, we did a second round, too. We did the Legion of Doom, and we did X-Men for secondary yeah. ones, didn't we? Yeah. And the Legion of Doom one I thought was really good. Then um, we watched uh, the Pride of the X-Men because of the X-Men um, oh, yeah. draft. Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> that really was a weird cartoon. Yeah, it was. It was really well animated. That's what sticks out to me. I'm like, wow, that show had like beautiful animation and art for a TV show. Yeah. 
it, it, the animation was really good. Um, and I'm impressed. I was impressed how much they, they crammed whenever they did the nineties X-Men cartoon, how much they got into these small chunks. And then I, I remember it's like, Oh yeah, they're only hitting high points. There's yeah. not like a lot of connective tissue in there. It's like high point to high point to high point to high point. But I mean, Hey, you ain't got that much time. Go for it. Yeah, I do. Ha- I do have an. I do have another animated show in the, on the list that we're gonna watch Uh-oh. the whole series of. Uh oh. Yes. And if you like a uh, horror, you're gonna like this one because we are gonna. I don't know when we'll get to it, but we are gonna watch all 13 episodes of Inhumanoids at some point. That's another one of those shows. It's like I'm surprised it's got made. Oh yeah. Because d- it is so like cosmic horror you know there's no cosmic horror really like turns, that. they're not a different planet but it, it's very eldritch abomination he turns sandra into a, like, into a uh, zombie abomination like in like the yeah. second or third episode uh, decompose is like the most terrifying thing and it's a kid show yeah mm-hmm. it uses cobra commander's voice which makes him even more terrifying yeah but that that's all on youtube so We'll probably get to that eventually. Mm. Well, unless you guys have anything else that's popping up for you. Um, trying to think real quick. Yeah. I know it's it just it's not something we discovered, but I do need to get ECW back on the schedule because my cousin and I did review a good show, but I feel like we need to redeem it on the show proper. Oh, that uh, Heat Wave '98. Yeah, that was good. I think I think Barely Legal '97 would be a good like um, one to do eventually. Did we do that one? No, we did. We've only done November to Remember '98, which was abysmal. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Because Terry, Terry Funk, well, yeah, Terry Funk was right. Times you're being a coward. <laughs> yeah, and um. Heroes of Wrestling was every bit as bad as it was hyped to be. I I, I actually I said this on when we did that uh, show. I do think it's like the worst show I've ever seen. I would watch UW. I would watch that. I would watch that Blackjack Brawl show happily over this. Mm-hmm. That show was Ugh. just there was not any entertainment to be had. No. No. Ugh. No, I, I don't. I still don't know if I've forgiven you for that, Brad. That's that was. I mean, we knew it was going to be bad. Yeah. I'm never getting that back. That's in my brain now. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least yeah, I think at least we know it can't get any worse than that. We've we've set the bar at its lowest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So, everybody, um, thank you for being with us. You know, nice little walk down memory lane on some stuff. If you're new with us, then, hey, you've got some stuff to go look for. So that should be pretty cool. And then I, um, I, we would love to hear if there's something we've done that you guys just, just loved, let us know. We, I mean, if we've done something that, that really, you know, clicks for you, then heck, let us, you know, tell us about it so we can uh, maybe we can hit on that a little bit uh, a little bit more again sometime. But 
anyway, I think that'll wrap us for tonight. Um, we'd love to hear from you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. So with all of that, this is Shad with uh, Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time.